Hi, everyone. This is Ben Edwards, and you are listening to Crossing Over, a podcast that is dedicated to exploring the human journey. You can find Crossing Over on your favorite podcast app, including iTunes and Google Play. You can find Crossing Over on Facebook, facebook.com slash crossingoverpodcast, as well as the website, crossingoverpodcast.wordpress.com. I'm very excited about the conversation that you're about to listen to because Josh and I have been friends for a very long time. And if there's anyone who might stand a chance at convincing me that the political world is not a complete disaster, it just might be Josh. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did, and thanks for listening. All right, so Josh, first of all, I just want to say thank you very much for being willing to be on the podcast with me, and um, I want to make a couple of notes for anyone listening before we, we move on. Uh, the first thing is just to say that Josh and I are very, very good friends. Uh, the second thing would be to say, in terms of our political belief systems, we don't necessarily align all the time. So the point of this podcast is not to push one particular piece of the American political landscape. So, Josh, if you want to start off just by, um, of course, this is your lunch break, so we're going, we're going to be cruising along pretty quickly. But if you don't mind taking just a second to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what your life has been like over the past few years in terms of what you've done with with work. <laughs> that's a weird way of asking the question, but that's my question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you having me, and I'm personally very thankful that we have been able to keep in touch periodically since... Uh, graduating from college and so that's been a huge blessing uh, in my life personally and so I really appreciate that and I appreciate the opportunity to really just have a dialogue about politics as we know it and see it right now and hopefully by the end of the conversation I will have provided a perspective that gives people a little hope that that there are some good things happening, that it's not all what you see in the news. It's not all what you see on social media. It's not always as polarized as, as maybe you think. So I live in the Little Rock, Arkansas area, and I've been formally involved in politics for about 13 years, so 2004. In 2004, I volunteered for the Bush-Cheney re-election campaign, um, and shortly thereafter, I actually went to Sterling, and while I was at Sterling and attending college there, I helped found the college's first uh, student-led uh, pro-life organization, and I don't even know if that's still functioning now, but uh, I was happy to be part of it while we were there. And then when I got back here, I did a short stint working for an advertising agency. But after that, probably around 2009, early 2009, I jumped into the political world, professionally speaking. And I've been there ever since. I've been a lobbyist uh, at the state legislature, um, an issues-based lobbyist, uh, really not a corporate lobbyist, but a lobbyist on particular issues and causes. And I've also been a local elected official in the county that I live in. And for the past almost three years, um, I have had the pleasure of working for a United States congressman. And so that is a quick 
blow-by-blow blow of what I've been up to, and that's a very broad stroke. <laughs> I, I will tell you that because a lot has happened the past uh, decade. I can't believe that come May 2017, May this year, it will be 10 years since I've graduated from I college. I know, man. Do not remind me of that. That's coming up for me, too. Well, hey, let's let's pull the camera back just a little bit. What is it about the political world in um, general that um, captures your imagination, your um, interest, and feels like it, it just continues to um, invite you to engage at various levels? Well, politics affects us every single day, and a lot of people don't realize that, but it does affect us every single day in different ways. Um, and I've realized that for a long time, and for a long time, I have uh, realized that there were some things that I wish would change about how politics operated, not only from a policy standpoint, but from a, a tone and civility standpoint as well. And so, uh, in general, that is really what has drawn me to politics and what has kept me involved is I've really felt like I've been given a gifting and a passion to remain as involved as I possibly can. And yes, sometimes I feel like an ant, to be totally yeah. honest. <laughs> I feel like this little bug in a massive world that I cannot uh, control. And, and everybody who's involved in politics feels like that at some point or another. But the interesting thing about it an interesting thing about how politics functions internally uh, is that if you stick with it long enough and if you persevere long enough and if you're willing to be outspoken yet respectful, you can end up affecting a lot of, um, a lot of things for the good. And so I think what initially got me into politics was I was just extremely frustrated with how things are and were going and wanted to be wanted to be part of the uh, solution. And that same passion has stuck with me to this day, but there's an added layer on top of it now that I'm a little older and a little bit more involved and my roots are a little bit deeper. Politics can't be just about what you're against and that's kind of how I started my political journey politics also needs to be about what you're for if you want to make politics positive one of the very first things that you can do in a discussion like this or a more broad discussion on social media or in a group of people instead of starting off the conversation by talking about what you're against why don't you talk about what you're for first? I think that you'll find a lot of people who agree with you regardless of their political affiliation. Now, they might not agree with your solution because that's where you get down into the, the nuts and bolts of a discussion is you first identify the goal and then you identify all the different solutions that are on the table. And that's where a lot of the agreement 
comes in. But I think that if you start off by identifying the goals first, it provides an environment of trust and understanding to be able to actually get down into discussing and debating the different solutions on the table uh, in a way that is a lot more civil because oftentimes we start off talking about all the different solutions and there's just all of a sudden mass disagreement, mass polarization, and we never get anything accomplished. It seems like that's sort of where we stay and maybe that's a part of why the world of politics is is kind of hard for me. But I'm I'm wondering, so what you're saying sounds great. I've heard it said many, many times before as well. Do you have a strong example of being in a room with with Republicans and Democrats and um, independents and talking about something and doing exactly what you just said, that you start off with the goals and then you find maybe to people's surprises that, that your goals are actually not as different as, as maybe it feels sometimes. Do you have a story that kind of makes that point? Well, I think that I can I think I can make my point this way. Here here locally in the Little Rock area, the political bubble is incredibly small. But within that political bubble, there are a wide variety of political representations and viewpoints. And w- one thing that I've really tried to do um especially the past few years or so amidst all the polarization and really vitriol that I've seen coming from all ends of the political spectrum is at least let people know in my own political bubble down here in Little Rock that I'm always open for a discussion and that I'm not going to bite your head off. I'm not going to call you names. I just want to have a productive conversation about what our goals are and what our solutions are about those goals. Now, we might agree on the goal, and we might, in the end, both settle on completely different solutions and disagree with the other person's solution, and that's okay. But the importance is is the discussion. The important part about it is removing that, really, that veil of um, secrecy in some ways, animosity in other ways, and understanding that you're actually communicating with another human being here who has their own ideas, who has their own passions, who has their own heart for, for certain issues. And the last thing that we need to be doing is uh, trampling on that. We need to actually be fostering an atmosphere of civility and understanding. And if we disagree at the end of the day, that's perfectly fine. But at least that veil of, uh, of animosity and misunderstanding has been removed. And we know that we can always go back to that person as a friend and not a political enemy. Yeah, you know, it sometimes comes from not like the the healthiest of places for my own uh, personality type, but I try very, very hard to make sure that when I'm in a conversation with someone that I that I disagree with, that we start from that place that you're talking about. You know, Josh and I have disagreed on many things, and we have said like out loud at times we're going to disagree on this, but at the end of the day, we're still friends, right? <laughs> and, and, right. and that's been so, so important for us. Right. It's, it's, uh, there, uh, politics is full of 
basically ad hominem attacks and it's straw man arguments and it's all about shifting the blame and shifting the attention to something else or someone else to take the attention um, off of you Um, and honestly that's cowardly politics i think that we do that because if we can put the other person into a box so i if if i can say that you're just one of those ignorant conservatives if that's my box right then i don't have to listen to you anymore Right. I I don't have to take seriously the things that you're saying because you're coming from the perspective that goes inside of this box that now I have made inside of my mind. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's important not to immediately place people in a box in kind of an ideological construct that's preconceived and prepackaged and and drawing conclusions based upon that construct that you put somebody in. I would totally agree that that shouldn't be done. And. Um, because politics, believe it or not, is more than just being a liberal or being a conservative. Say a little bit more about that, because I feel like that gets to the heart of what I was aiming for. Yeah, so it's actually ironic, me even say, even saying that, because I, I identify as a conservative. Right. <laughs> and, I'm <comfortable, laughs> I, and I'm comfortable identifying as a, as a conservative. But it's also important to understand, and one conclusion that I've been able to come to is not everything in politics is about being conservative or liberal. Sure, there's a conservative platform, there's a liberal platform, there are certain issues and things that are part of that, those platforms that people are committed to. But the, I think the problem that, that we have in a lot of ways, and I feel at least publicly that it seems to be getting even worse uh, is that we don't take the time to actually sit down with somebody else, get the label conservative out of your mind, get the label liberal out of your mind or whatever that label is and actually listen to another person, actually have a conversation with that person and be willing to have such a conversation with that person that that if you are convinced that a different way of doing things or a different way of seeing things on a particular issue is the right way, having the humility to actually change your mind. And I think that that's ultimately what I'm getting at more than anything else. And that's what I mean when I say that not everything is just conservative or or just liberal because if we start there if we start at the surface and and only stay there the conversations that need to happen aren't going to happen you know uh, one one good example that that i can give about this or at least a relationship that i have here locally with somebody who i agree with very little on and she's the former executive director of the Arkansas Democratic Party. Her and I are friends, and we're not just political friends. We are friends, and we don't agree on very much, but we have nothing but uh, compassion for one another, and we care for one another, and we have great conversations, um, and we're such friends that not all of our conversations are even about politics, believe it or not. We actually are able to move beyond those discussions and actually talk about other things. And 
Isn't that amazing? It is because <laughs> because that that's another important aspect of this entire discussion about constructive dialogue is sometimes you have to dial it back to such an extent that you're actually that you actually have a conversation with somebody that you disagree with politically and you don't talk about politics. You talk about other things. You talk about family background. You talk about how you were raised. You talk about the things that you like and dislike. Um, and that puts a human face on the discussion too. That really does cut to the core of maybe what I hope is there. And so I, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit because I want to be aware of your time. So I'm, I'm going to combine my next two questions because I, I have a feeling that this might be the last like strong question that I get to ask before you have to go. What part should we as citizens who are not professionally involved within the world of politics... What part should we play within this system? The second thing is, why should I push through my cynicism and be willing to engage politically inside this country? And I have the line written down, convince me, Josh. So, so, so that's kind of where I want to end the question asking. We can just sort of go wherever the conversation goes. So, honestly, that's really... Uh, Obviously, let's let's go after your your first question first. And I I think I have a two part answer for that question. Number one, we live in a representative uh, democracy, a representative republic. Some people would even call it. And elect people at the state level and at the federal level to represent us in the halls of power, in the halls of influence, uh, legislatively in particular. And so this isn't going to really be a profound an answer, but I feel like it needs to be said. If you want to have a constructive dialogue, one of the very best things that you can do is actually contact your representatives. Oftentimes, uh, whether they're state elected officials or whether they're federal elected officials, what they see oftentimes and what they get the most of generally is, you know, they get tagged in Twitter or they get tagged on Facebook and somebody is just ripping them a new one. So you want to talk about polarization. When you've been elected to represent a, a district and a group of people, whether that be at the state level or at the federal level, and most of the feedback you get is negative. That causes polarization in and of itself. Now, I will say this, and this is important to say too, that once you run for office and put your name on the line, you're saying bring it on. Yeah. So, so let me... Let me just stop you just just for one second, Josh, because I, I kind of have a question that maybe will help direct a little bit more on uh, something that I am curious about. But let's just say that one of the elected officials locally here does something that I think is completely wrong. Of course, I lean more to agree with you that it's probably not very productive for me to take to Facebook and Twitter and publicly bash this person. 
But recently I sent a couple of emails to my representatives and the emails that I got back, I just assume because of the sheer number of emails that they get, are incredibly impersonal and I, I have a feeling that they never really even read the email that I sent. So I'm, I'm wondering if you can speak to that. So let's say that I am convinced by you. I'm not going to publicly air my, my frustration in Facebook and Twitter. I'm actually going to try to have a conversation with this official but then it seems like there are all of these different blocks that get in the way that when I do try, it's very, very impersonal. So from your professional experience, what's the best way for me to go to uh, to go about ask that? for a meeting? Um, and and so, I mean, we 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 I have certainly experienced instances where, uh, you know, somebody has has written and expressed their views and decided that after a response was given that they wanted to have a sit down meeting about the issue instead and have a face to face meeting. And I would really encourage people to be bold and, and ask for that meeting with your elected representative, whether they be in your state legislature, whether they be um the governor, whether they be a United States congressman or United States senator, um, it's those meetings are incredibly important, important and can be incredibly productive um, to remove that veil, like I talked about earlier. You know, it's all about removing the veil. It's all about removing the boundaries. And, and the best way to possibly do that is to actually request a meeting and you might not always get a meeting with the elected official directly sometimes you do sometimes you don't but one thing people need to understand is that a lot of their schedule is spent voting and going to committees and fulfilling meeting obligations that have already been scheduled and they're very pressed for time too and so there needs to be an understanding of that but if you don't get a meeting with the elected official, at least get a meeting with one of their staff members because the staff members are extensions of the elected official. That's how they're set up. And an elected official has to have staff members because if they don't, they would be a lot less effective. So a very quick uh, question to kind of help me to understand that, that better if I have a meeting with a staffer, that's not necessarily the same thing as if I walk into, say, a store and I say I demand to see the manager and they send out, you know, like the the assistant instead, basically to blow you off. That's not what you're saying actually happens. So when you have a conversation with a staffer, that staffer then is he or she required to go back and say, I had this meeting and this is what this person said? Like, will will my words get to the ear of, let's say, the governor? Yeah, so, I mean, the thing is, is I can't speak for everybody. Um, I, have, I have my own idea about how constituent services should work, and I think it's the best way for constituent services to, to work. But what I'll tell you is that I know plenty of political offices, congressional offices in particular, who after every meeting that's had with a constituent, the congressman is updated, 
and the senior staff in Washington, D.C. is updated on, on the discussion of that conversation and the content of that conversation. Sometimes the senior staff runs with it and they, they do something with it and then they'll update the congressman. Sometimes the congressman will be, uh, will be updated directly on it. But these are not meetings that just fall on deaf ears is what I'm trying. And I think that's the main thing that needs to get across. Yep. Well, that's definitely uh, what I was wanting to know. So let's push through with the last couple minutes that we have here to my kind of uh, whimsical last question here. So Josh, I am tempted numerous times every year to just shut everything down, stop paying attention to what's happening politically, and just say, you know what, I just, I disengage, I quit. Why should I push through that to set that meeting, to, you know, make that call, to do what I have to do to really participate within this, what did you call it, representative republic? Yes, the representative republic. That's right. That's right. So, and, and first of all, I want to make clear just really quick before I answer that question, there's absolutely no wrong with sharing your political views and opinions on a certain matter on social media. As a matter of fact, I would encourage people to do it, but I would really encourage people no matter what you believe politically, to season your speech with salt. Um, understand that when you're, even when you're speaking about an elected official, you're speaking about another human being. What you've read about that elected official and that elected official's particular position is the soundbite that has been released by the news. And so it's not always even a complete representation about what that elected official believes. It's just the, the bare bones position that that elected official has. Because you only have so much time and so much room in a news article to, to state your position. And so those one-on-one -on -one meetings, whether it be with a staff member or with the elected official uh, himself or herself, uh, can, can help enlighten and reveal to you the more nuanced aspects of their position attack issues don't attack people perfect yes i love the nuance that's definitely where i want to spend most of my my time so josh convince me my yeah. friend so so <laughs> this may surprise you for me to say that there are days when i wake up and i have to convince myself I'm grateful to hear that, um, but it doesn't really because I can't imagine that a human being wouldn't have to do that from time to time the way that things go. Well, and and I and and plenty plenty of people as uh, uh, who are just as involved as I am have those days. I can promise you. But if I were to convince you um, to stay involved and not to just shut it all off and and stop talking about it and stop dialoguing about it. And one thing that I think I keep telling myself when I have my bad days is reminding myself that just shutting it all off and not dialoguing about it literally helps no one. It helps no one. Because that is one less voice that's missing from the conversation. And, and it's also important to understand that other people are watching you. Other people are looking to you as an example or for advice, and you may not even realize it. And so 
I think that when you've been given a platform to to have a voice and when you've been given a a passion for you know a particular issues um the the last thing that that you should do even on the difficult days is decide that well i've had enough and this environment is way too polarizing and it's way too difficult to to trudge through and figure out and so i'm just going to throw in the towel and that and that doesn't help anybody additionally I believe that when we've been given a passion for something and when we decide to suppress that voice that we have that's within us, that form of apathy, when we decide to be apathetic and we decide to accept apathy in that particular area of our lives, I truly believe that it's human nature for apathy to start setting in in other areas of our life. And I think that before long, we will look back and we will go, how did I get to this point where I just don't care about anything anymore? Oh, man. I think that you're, you're right. I really, really do. Uh, Josh, I feel like we could go on and on and on all day. And I think that one of these days we should just have a phone call where I just block off a whole day. And, that, and that's exactly what what we well do. i i agree we should do and we should do it over facetime or google hangout so we can actually see one another i think that that'd be great well let me just say again that i i really appreciate you coming on even though at times you're dead wrong politically you <laughs> you you are spot on with uh with your with your point that we should be engaged so josh thank you so much man you better get yourself yeah back to work. i'm on uh, I'm, I'm about to be back on federal time so and for everyone that is listening in go in peace see you later <laughs>